The sun's shining, we are in church, and our hearts are desiring the one who loves us. It's good, isn't it? It's good. What makes it good? God. It's his presence. We're on, Colin says, we're on the message, seek to speak. I want to just brief recap for those who haven't heard some of the, the podcasts. If we simply seek to speak, we will have nothing to say. But if we seek, if we become seekers who want to speak, we will find God's treasure worth talking about. We seek his opportunities to speak, then we will have something to say. We'll have his words to say. We seek the opportunity, he'll give us the opportunity. We'll have his words. Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And then we want to seek to speak. We get the opportunity, he's given us something to say. We want to say it. We want to break the sound barrier, all the, all the acts of kindness and all the letting your light shine in life has to bring us to a point where we actually have to talk about Jesus has to bring us to actually a point where I actually have to say something about him. So it's, we have to want to speak as well. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not, never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. We've been on this now for four or five weeks, and Colin, at the very start, he prophesied a growth spurt. He's saying there's going to be a growth in our church, but there's an opportunity then that we'll have to partner with that for that to happen. We'll have to take our opportunities and to partner with what the Spirit's doing here. If he's looking to grow the church, we've got our part to do. He's encouraged us to pray. He's encouraged us to prepare what we might say if an opportunity came. Like what he said last week, preparation aids declaration, preparing for the right opportunity. I want to ask, we're on this now, four or five weeks, have you had an opportunity to seek to speak? Yeah, some northern. Have you been looking for an opportunity? Yeah, we're getting, yeah. Good, good. Have you been thinking, yes, there's opportunities out there for me? Have you been thinking, yes, I'm going to provide time and space for maybe an opportunity to come my way today? Hmm, have you been thinking that? Hmm, we're going, we're going this way today. Yeah? I've been thinking maybe that opportunity wasn't actually an opportunity and you kind of decided, no, 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 maybe that wasn't an opportunity. Or have you took the opportunity? Have you grabbed it? We use the Spurls word since the start of the year, like the Holy Spirit's all over it, catalambano, to grab, to seize. Have you took the opportunity? Have you seized it? And have you actually shared something of Jesus? Shared something, you said something even just an action on to saying something, even just an action where you've planted something, hoping that that opportunity will then lead to a point where you break the sound barrier for Jesus and you say something. Yeah? That's what I want to get to here today. That's what I want to talk about, outreach. And my message here today is the four outs of outreach. 
Now, before we get to the four rights, let's talk about outreach. Firstly, what is outreach? An act or instance of reaching out, the act of extending service, benefits, etc., to a wider section of the population. Read this again. An act or instance of reaching out, the act of extending service, benefits, etc., to a wider section of the populations. Organizations, charities, societies all do outreach. It's not just the church, but for the church, outreach. I define this as for the church, outreach is the church at work sharing and promoting the name of Jesus and his interests outside the church. It's the work of the church, sharing and promoting the name of Jesus and what he's interested in outside the church. He's interested in DCB. We promote that outside DCB. We're interested in whatever he's interested in. That's what we promote. If he's interested in people's needs, that's what we get on board with. Things in society, things around us, a need, something that he, he sees. That's outreach. It's promoting that. It's promoting him in that. Okay? So let's talk about this a bit this morning. I'm just going to get into outreach here before we get to the outs. Why do we need to do the outreach? We're all sitting going, oh. why do we? Because it's the work of the church. It's our job. Matthew 29, verse 19 says, 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And also in Acts 1, 8, But you shall receive power when this Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. It's the work of the church. Jesus told us to wait, the early church, to wait for the Holy Spirit to do this here. It's our right job. You're the church. It's your responsibility. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you, you, our chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In First Peter first, chapter 3, verse 15, but, who, but, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone, sorry, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. It's our job. There's kind of no way around that. The Bible kind of says it's our job. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. And if you're here in the church, it's our job. But it's more than that. Why do we need to do outreach? Is because people need it. People need outreach. People need Jesus. I want to go through a quick list there. I was preparing this the other day, just a short list. I love what actually was last week Colin said this. Everyone is looking for God in the wrong places. And I'm not sure who you quoted, Colin, but everyone is looking for God in the wrong places. People need him. Short list. Do you know anyone 
who need Jesus' saving power to break the effects of sin and bondage, who needs Jesus' healing power for physical, emotional, and mental healing and restoration, who needs Jesus' strength for the situations of life, who needs Jesus for true purpose, joy, fulfillment, and life, who needs Jesus' easy yoke and light burden to overcome their problems in life, who needs Jesus' hope, I love this one, to displace despair. Yeah? Do you know anybody needs that? Do you know anyone who needs Jesus for all the benefits of his life and eternal life? Who needs Jesus' input to make their day, week, month, and the rest of their life? Short list. Did that in a few minutes. The list goes on and on and on. Why people need Jesus. Just one thing from Jesus in your day can actually just turn your day around. Do you ever find that in your daily walk? Do you ever find actually even outside of Jesus, you can maybe get a phone call or an email in your day and it just turns you, a day that was kind of doing okay to kind of a good day, but kind of a day that was kind of, oh, maybe not going so well, but then you get a bit of a news and it just turns it around. See Jesus coming into somebody's life. That's a turnaround comment. That's a turnaround moment. People need that. There's so many people outside our church. That's the tick, all of them. It's our job to do it, and they need it. We're here this morning. We're worshiping. It's great to come and actually to love Jesus and to be loved in return, to know you're loved. And I want to just say this here, as I was thinking about this and preparing this this week, this point out of the whole message hit me the most. We have to do outreach because Jesus desires it. Jesus loves the people outside our church. They don't love him. How hard, how hard is it? Or how hard would you imagine it would be to love someone and not have that love returned? To love a son, a daughter, somebody that you have poured your life into, poured love into, and not have that love come back to you. A wife, to love a wife, to love a husband who you love and not get that love returned. I find one of the hardest things I see in life with people is broken relationships. Really, really grieves me to see broken relationships because somebody loving somebody and that relationship's been broke and that love is not being returned. And you just see brokenheartedness. You just see a missing gap. And for us, as I was thinking about this this week, we're worshiping Jesus. He came by his spirit into our presence. Andrew stepped up, led us into a place of being loved by him. He's loving that because our love's returned to him. But for so many people, that love is not reciprocated back to Jesus at all. For so many people, they don't even acknowledge his life. You know? I was thinking about this when I'm thinking there 
and same for a lot of people outside our church, for a lot of people you know, Jesus is actually in the same category as a tooth fairy or the Easter bunny. He's, he's in the same category as the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny. There's probably people you know and they believe in the Loch Ness monster more than they do in Jesus because of a few fake photos and some fancy Scottish tourism brochure. That's, 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 I know we find it funny when we say it like that, but that's just not good enough. That's just, he loves them. He absolutely loves them. They don't even know him. It's a myth. They don't even want to know that love, know the benefits, know his life. It's our job. It's, we can't dodge this, church. We cannot, as much as you want or think, we cannot dodge this. It's our responsibility. People need it, and Jesus desires it. As, if, honestly, I don't know if I've portrayed this enough, but let, let the Holy Spirit just stir a passion in your heart for his name here today. You take anything else from my message this morning, take that. Let him stir a heart. Stir your heart for a passion for his name. Yeah? Okay. How do we do outreach? How's the church? The church conducts outreach with evangelism, the proclamation and demonstration of the good news of Jesus. I'm going to go through a list here of different types of evangelism. It's how we do outreach. I want you, just as I go down through the list, have a think. That's actually what I've did in the past. Have a think of maybe, oh, that's something I'd like to try. Or have a think just what works for you. Because some of these might work for these different types for different types of people. Programmed, first one, programmed evangelism. Having an intentional strategy to witness to seekers, whether as an individual or as a church, etc. Like having a coffee morning for your friends or neighbors. Having something you're going to do that's strategic to actually to reach out. I remember when I first became a Christian at 29, um, just Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. He's alive. That's all I knew. After having an encounter with him and sitting in the back of a church one night, I knew Jesus was alive. I didn't know a whole lot more, but I knew Jesus was alive. So it says... How, how do I get my friends and relatives? They need to know this, but I didn't know what to say or how to say it. So every month, what I decided to do was buy a large life application Bible. And I said, I'm going to give this to somebody every month. And I did this for about a year. And I went and bought one, and I said, right, who am I going to give that to? And I started with my close relatives, and started with my friends, and I went and just, that, that, that's, and it was a large, chunky Bible. And I started to give these out to people. And I remember... I give it to one, some of my friends. Some of my friends were far from the church, never mind, far from Jesus. And I give them a large payment, and my friends go, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> it's simply, I just, I just want you to read it. Just read it. It was kind of, I didn't give them much of an out, an out as such. I just said, you just need to read it. Honestly, 
out of all them Bibles I give out, I've seen a return on every one of them except one, and I'm holding on to that one. Friends, I thought would never have came near a church, never mind, opened their hearts to Jesus. A year later, said to me, could I come with you to church? A year and a half ago, get the phone call. They called, you know, my friends used to call me Gordy. He says, Gordy, I've, got, I've become a Christian. And he'd go on. Wow. What do you want me to do with that? Read it. Just read it. We can all do our bit. Programmed evangelism, we can all do our bit. Second one, presence evangelism. Sometimes it's also called friendship evangelism. Being a positive presence around those who do not know Jesus. Words and actions. I find this works. Great for friends, great for work colleagues. You're in their company, you're actually somebody beside a desk or in your work. They can't really get away from you. <laughs> You've got a captive audience. You, you just come and you just deposit a wee bit of him. Just drip, drip, drip. Just in your actions, just in things you might say every day, every now and then. You're just moving them closer, moving them closer, just by being with them, just by being around them. You change people. Kansas Church, you change people. Your presence and what you carry changes the environment you are in, changes the people you sit beside and encounter each day. Your presence, presence of evangelism. Proclamation evangelism, sharing Jesus in a normal, relative, and interesting way. I'd also put into this category invitational evangelism. Simple, simple. Just ask people to come. Barbecue, just ask them to come. Small groups, ask them to come. Coffee nights, ask them to come. You don't even have to get into Jesus. You don't even have to try to explain church explain Jesus. All you do is just say, come, send a text. Hey, would you like to come to the barbecue this week? They don't reply, send it again. (laughs) Phone them. Better still go around and see them. (laughs) That's sort just call around for them and say, come on. Just go out and share a proclamation. I'll share this. I'll let my daughter to to Jesus a few years ago proclamation just sharing Jesus normal interesting way just after Easter just started to share to them about the cross just started to swell up she just started to swell up the Holy Spirit was just working on her there was nobody more amazed in the room than me I never said anything anything profound that I would have considered profound it was something that you would read to a child out of the simplest book about Jesus, of his work on the cross, just started to swell up. Holy Spirit did the rest, led her to Christ. I didn't actually wait until my wife came home until she was part of it. And my son was part of it. All just by sharing Jesus simply, normal. Persuasion evangelism. Go gentle with this one. Persuasion is evangelism. This is not having a debate. This is bringing God's wisdom partnered with his word into a discussion. 
debates don't work. They just don't work with people. I worked with a, a good friend, presence of evangelism. He was an agnostic. We worked together for two years across the desk. We had some serious debates about God, about life, about the, the hereafter, everything and anything at all to do with morale or morality. Never, ever moved him anywhere. Got to a place where I said, listen, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, we'll leave it at that. God bless you. We're still good friends. Debates don't work, but his wisdom dropped into our conversation does. Um, my son, he likes to have debates with me, still does. <laughs> hey, we were having, he was, uh, a few years ago, again, he, I think he was about eight, he had been to a Bible club all week. I seen this great. The Saturday night after the club, I says, well, what do you think about God? And we started to talk about the club and started to talk about, but God isn't real. How, how do you know God's real? Try to explain this to a seven and eight-year-old. And I started, okay, um, well, you can't see the air, but you can breathe it in, you know, and started to, well, look, who created the world? And sure, it had to be God. And no, 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 no. And it was just going round and going nowhere. And it even got to the place where he says, listen, I've got lots of books about God. Surely somebody would write about it. He must be real if somebody's writing about him. You know, there's books about God. He must be real. And I got to that place. No, 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 it wasn't doing it. And I was okay. He was playing away with his toys. And I was just sitting there. I was going to start to pray anyway. And I started to pray. Jesus brought his wisdom, a word of wisdom, and he just said, Ask Adam, does he want me? I had a debate with him for 15, well, 10 minutes at least. Jesus says, Ask Adam, does he want me? Okay, I checked in. I've just after, it was like having a conversation with God, going, Seriously, God, I've just had a 10 minutes argument with him. But I turned to Adam and I says, Adam, son, do you want Jesus? He just went, yes. And I was just, yes. Went, Why didn't I do that at the start? It was, I was, ah, oh, ah, oh, best decision of your life. And it was just, I was, I was it. That's what I had to do. Tell him, do you just want Jesus? Yes. Mom led him to Christ. She prayed him through the prayer of sinner's prayer, and for some reason, he didn't want me to do it. I had to stand outside. <laughs> stand outside, listening to the door, and as soon as I heard amen, I was straight in, I was laying hands on him, we filled him with the Holy Spirit there and then. And he turns around and he goes, I feel bigger already. It's persuasion of answers, but it's God's wisdom. It's not a debate. It's God's wisdom. Prayer evangelism. We're Christians. We're Christians, and we believe God wants to bless you. Is there anything we, we can ask God to bless you with? This is good, partnered with uh, words of knowledge in your life. You get a sense, just saying, provided service. Can we pray for you? 
power evangelism. Say it like Andrew, power. Power evangelism. God's power used in evangelism with signs and wonders like healings, miracles. Great. Again, with words of knowledge. Prayer evangelism, words of knowledge, and power evangelism all kind of go really well together, leading people to Christ. All of a sudden, Jesus is not the tooth fairy. He's actually, there might be something in Yes, Jesus is alive. Jesus has just stepped into your life with healing, with a miracle. Last one. I like this. Pathetic evangelism. The use of prophecy and evangelism brings secrets of the heart to the surface and causes unbelievers to recognize God. You bring God's heart, will, and mind into someone's situation and circumstance, it's very hard for them to actually be able to argue with you. Get so much equity. Shows God loves them. Shows their heart. Shows your heart for God that you love something greater than what you are. Prophetic evangelism. Okay. Going to get to the outs. Okay. We got there. Don't worry. The four outs. I'm going to have to go quick. This is going out of time here. What is an out? Do you have an excuse or means... Oh, don't grab that. Excuse or means to avoid doing something one ought to do. An out. Something you ought to do, but you use a means or an excuse not to do it. Okay? So when I'm saying the four outs of outreach, this is what I'm talking about. Kind of short for a cop-out. You, you know you ought to do it, it's our responsibility. People need it. Jesus wants it. A variety of ways of doing it. But you take the out. Okay? Biblical example of not taking an out. Philip. Okay? John chapter 1. Philip finds Nathaniel. Right there. He's just met Jesus. He goes straight for Nathaniel. Does what? Service or invitational evangelism. Come. Just come along. Didn't know what to say about Jesus. Just said, I found Jesus. I found the one. He's alive. Just come. Okay? But Nathaniel says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Listen, don't worry about that. Don't worry about your assumptions, any prejudice. Just come. Invitation evangelism. Easy. I think it's the easiest form of evangelizing there is. Just ask people to come to church, come to here, come to wherever. Get them into the community. Get them into his presence. Jesus does the rest. He does the rest. Also, Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm going to go through this passage very quickly. And this is going to highlight the four outs. Because Philip didn't take any of them. And you know the outcome. Now, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandike, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard, and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. 
He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of, the, of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Acts 8, verses 26 to 35. You can read the rest of that and you go home and you find out what happens. A desert isn't the very best place to do outreach. And Philip had every reason not to do outreach here. You know, cultural differences and social differences with this individual he met. But he didn't. The first out he didn't take was he was willing to be available. He was willing to be available. <laughs> Not Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, and go to that chariot and stay near it. Folks, we're going to do outreach. We have to make ourselves available. In your day and in your life, you have to be you have to be open to this. Who has God placed you near? Where has God placed you? Yeah. Are you open? Are you open to being available for God to use you where you are and with the people you're with? In the environments that you are in. First thing, first out, not willing to be available. We have to be open to this. I can understand why people cl- close down outreach because outreach can be, certainly, if you haven't done it before, it can be scary. It's, it's a process and it's a learning curve of doing it and then you learn from it. And you, but you have to start somewhere and you actually have to actually say, right, I'm going to go first, I'm going to go first, I'm going to go first. And oftentimes people don't, and the first thing they do is, I'm not going to be available. There's somebody I want to, God speaking to me, says something to you. You go up to them and go, no, I ain't going to look at my phone. No, I ain't going to get on with what I have to do here. I get preoccupied with me. I get preoccupied with what I'm doing. You shut it down right at the start. Stay near the person. Stay in the situation. Be available. Okay, the first out, be available. Don't take it. I, I call this the Holy Spirit red light. I'm going to break this down very quickly for you. The Holy Spirit red light. Let the Holy Spirit stop you in your daily life and make yourself available for Jesus to use you. Be willing for him to actually stop what you're doing, where you are, and use you. Red light. Okay? Second out, not willing to be led. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, the Spirit told Philip, and we hear this for a profound statement, reaching out for and with Jesus requires Jesus. Doing stuff for Jesus actually requires him. He likes to be involved in it, you know. <laughs> he likes to... He likes, to do, he likes to be with you in what you're doing. You know, be willing to be led. There's people you go, you go and you've, the Lord stopped you and what you're doing, 
and you go, what are you, what are you doing, Lord? And next minute, the Spirit starts to lead you in thinking what you're doing. You're kind of going, no, I'm not sure if the Lord is leading me towards that person. No, no, no. And you just start to, no, I know I'm not, no, I actually don't think. The, I just don't see the peace of God. And, and it's just as clear as day, you can see something about this person. There's something about the situation you're in. You've made yourself available, and there's something about it, and you start to kind of shut it down. No, no, no. You start to overthink it. No, no, no. Shut it down. Or you go the other way, and you get ahead of the Holy Spirit, and you start to do what you think you should do. Or maybe out of obligation, or maybe just out of, ah, I have to do something, I have to do something. Holy Spirit, amber light. Wait. Look and listen what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Look to see what you see in the situation, what you're hearing the Lord saying to you to do. Let him stop you. Be available. Be willing for him to use you. Then wait and listen. Wait and listen. Third out, not willing to take your opening. Ah, oh, this is a scary bit. So many times I've got this T-shirt more times than enough. Standing, getting the groceries, and you're walking down the aisle, ladies coming up, working in the shop. She replenishing the shelves. I'm, okay, the Lord's highlighted something to me. I stop. Okay, I'm okay. Okay, Lord, you want to do something? I'm open. See this lady, and you can wait. I think uh, she just looks like she is just carrying such a load. She's just wearied. She just needs Jesus' easy burden. She just needs that lifted off. Word of knowledge. I think she suffers from migraines. Okay, what do I do? This shampoo looks really interesting. (laughs) Get over yourself, Mark. Get over yourself. Get over yourself, Mark. Get over yourself. Get on with it. You know you have to do it. Okay, 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 okay. Walk down towards, stand looking, she coming past. What's in front of you? Painkillers. There's me opening. Excuse me, do you know anything that would be good for migraines? Do you know anybody who suffers migraines? Can rec- no, you hesitate and go on. And it goes past you. You've done the opening. You have to go for it. When the opening comes, Philip's, I, love, I love what happened to Philip here. It doesn't always go as good as this. But it said, do you understand what you're reading? Asked Philip. How can I, he said, the eunuch, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip seen the opening of what the, the eunuch was doing. Straight. Took the opening. Straight. Straight in. Go for it. Go for it. This is, for me, I know this is a scary part, but I've got all the T-shirts, not willing to be available, <laughs> not willing to be led. I'm, I'm, I'm not poking at you here today. I'm just sharing past experiences. <laughs> but this is the moment where you have to go for it. This is the moment you have to cut a lambano. You have to grab the opportunity. You're sitting beside someone on a plane, and next minute, you start to talk about a street preacher. And you go, oh, this is the opening. 
Yes, you know, actually, I'm a pastor in a church too. The opening came. You have to go for it. Go for it. That's the green light. Whether it's giving an invitation, whether it's sharing something about Jesus, whether it's just even, the opening could be just an act of kindness. It could just be serving. But you have to do it. Red light. Get these down. Lock these in. Red light. Being available. Willing to stop. Amber light. Who can listen? Green light, go. Take your opening. Okay? And this is the last out, and then we're going to get into worship. Not willing to start with the person. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, what's in your hand, or what's in their hand. You have to, a lot of people, you get to the place of you take the opening, and then you try to bypass where the person's at. You have to start with the person. You have to start. You can't, you can't cookie-cut outreach. Everybody's different. Every situation's different. And I can see and I know this here is what scares people because you don't know what you're going to meet in a situation or a circumstance. So then you don't make yourself available. Then you don't let be led by the Spirit. Then you don't take your opening. But you have to start with where the person's at. You have to start. What are, what's, what are they doing? What's going on in their life? What's going on in the environment around, around them? Go in. We often say about um, things. You go in their door, but you bring them out ours. Yeah? We go in where they're at, but we want to bring them to the door that's Jesus Christ. In Revelation 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and they will be with me. Listen, folks, you only have to be one step ahead of somebody to lead them. One step to lead them. You're here. You know Jesus Christ. And there's people out there who think he's the tooth fairy. You're more than one step ahead. Jesus isn't going to lead you in a situation or circumstance that he's not with you in whether it goes well or whether not. It's all learning. It's all a process. It's all growing. You'll use it. You'll use it. I've went through this here umpteen times, and I can say where I took the out, where I didn't do what I should have did. Oh, Mark, you didn't make yourself available. You didn't do this. You didn't meet the person where they're at. You try to do it your way. You try to get ahead of the Spirit. Am I making sense? Yeah? One step, then you lead them. Okay? Nathan in the group, you want to come up? Folks. I promise you, see the four outs. Remove the four outs, and you'll do outreach. Out the outs. Highlight them when you do them. Highlight them when they ha- I'll guarantee you they will happen at some stage in the situations that we're in of seeking to speak. Where the opportunity will come and you'll, you'll think about these and you'll go, I didn't make myself available. I didn't wait. Overjumped. Let, let this here work. Out the outs. 
Remove them and you'll do outreach. I promise, I just say it, I'm just getting excited. I promise you'll be amazed at the stories you'll be able to share. I promise you'll be amazed of what the Holy Spirit does in and through you. Yeah? I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to share this. Paul's charge to Timothy in 2 Corinthians 5, 4. Six words. Do the work of an evangelist. You don't have to be an evangelist to do the work of an evangelist. Paul told Timothy, do the work. Paul was a pastor, but he said to him, do the work of an evangelist. We always speak here in the church on a response for you to come forward to partner what the Spirit's doing three questions for your response today if you can say yes to these or you'd like to just come forward for ministry please would you like to see Jesus' love being returned to him do you desire to grow in being available to the Spirit's leading would you like to do the work of an evangelist you can say yes to any one of these that I'll say for